This episode of the Ministry of Misfits podcast and this awesome shirt are brought to you by a Courageous Clothing Company. Courageous Clothing Company is a Christian family-owned business that specializes in custom designs that they create as well as bulk screen printing of your custom designs as well. When you buy from Courageous Clothing Company, you're not just buying an awesome shirt. You also are helping spread the gospel across the world through the missions that they support, such as this here with Ministry Misfits, as well as with their own designs that have Christian-themed messages sharing the gospel in an awesome and relevant way, or as we say within CSRM and Ministry Misfits, strategically relevant evangelism. Check out their entire line at CourageousClothingCompany.com. Well, uh, Andrew, I was a nine-year-old boy, uh, had been very active in church. My parents were uh, active in church, and so I was a regular Sunday school attender, uh, Bible school goer. Um, I did those little burnt, mass, burnt match cross craft ideas. I, I don't know how many of those my mom ended up throwing out. But uh, there was one uh, Friday evening, I was at my grandparents' house, and my cousin said uh, that she had uh, decided to get baptized. And so I thought that sounds like a good idea. So I told my mom and she quizzed me probably in more depth than some of my seminary professors have ever quizzed me to make sure that, you know, I wasn't just doing it because my cousin did it or because it was the thing to do. She wanted to know that I knew the reason that Jesus was going to be my only hope in life. And so uh, she was finally convinced. And so um, growing up Southern Baptist at the end of the service, I had an invitation and I walked the aisle. A lot of your Southern Baptists listening to this will understand that lingo, but you go up to the front and tell your pastor that uh, you want to become a Christian or that you've become a Christian. And then the baptism took place and, and uh, all of that. So it was just a very simple childlike faith at nine years old. Hi, welcome back to the Mr. Misfits podcast. I am Andrew Fouts, and today we probably need to put a disclaimer out there that this episode is rated P for puns, because my guest that I have with me is David Waddell. Our, I believe when this will be released, he will still be our current executive director. Um, if this is after September, October, then I really screwed up my scheduling for one thing. And then in addition to that, he would have moved into a different role within our credentialing department of CSRM. But uh, he's also a professor at Ole Miss. He's also an author. He's been a pastor in a couple different roles in a couple different churches. He's been just about everywhere. So David, welcome. Welcome to the Ministry Misfits podcast. Andrew, thank you for having me. And and when I saw the title of the podcast as being a misfit, I thought, yep, this is my home. Yeah, that's been the reaction from just about everybody within our organization so far. <laughs> when, when Greg and I were, were talking through the title, he was like, that's perfect for what you're looking to do. 
that it also definitely fits with everything about what we do within CSRM also. Um, and then in addition, the other ministries that have kind of signed on as partners with the Tribe Collective and with Third Street and everything else, we, we're just a big, you know, it's the whole island of misfit toys here. Um, but today we're, we're doing two episodes with you. Um, last week, I'm not sure, I can't remember exactly how much you may have appeared when you Zoom bombed our interview with our worship guy. But this week, you're on here officially, and next week, you'll be on here officially as well. But today, we are going to talk about something that you really seem to be the unintended master of, which is um, staff dynamics, leadership development, and especially in a Christian environment of discipleship. Um, give everybody a little bit of insight into who David Waddell is as far as what your, you know, your work as a minister, your work in academics, and your work with CSRM. Well, and, and it's uh, uh, not odd that you went through all that litany of stuff, uh, uh, because I, I sometimes think I'm at my wisest when I have no idea what I'm saying. And I think I think a lot of the uh, success in my life has just been that I've surrounded myself with good people, which made it easier uh, to lead. But uh, I've got a background of uh, 20 plus years in actual church leadership. I uh, worked as a combination youth and recreation pastor in two different churches and then was the recreation pastor, uh, sports and recreation pastor of two different churches as well. Uh, the last one I worked in, I had uh, six full-time employees under my watch uh, about 15 part-time employees and over 400 volunteers that were in our program. So learning how to lead and lead effectively was one of those uh, quick learning curves in that uh, particular position. Uh, after I left church work, um, bounced around from uh, some different jobs uh, from time to time, about three years work, and then lucked into, or I, as I say it, uh, Ole Miss had no other remotely qualified candidates that applied for my job. And so I became uh, an instructor of sport and recreation administration. And uh, someone said, well, how long have you been a teacher? And the, the question kind of struck me because I, I finished my 15th year of actual teaching at Ole Miss this semester. But when I think back to my church work days, uh, really, I've been a teacher my entire life. I don't know that I have the spiritual gift of teaching per se. Uh, some would argue one way or the other on that, uh, but I have always been involved in helping people uh, become better at what they do, helping people uh, work towards organizational goals and, and really improving their own leadership uh, in that arena. So in a lot of ways, that's, that's who I am. I'm a teacher, I'm an administrator, um, and I'm a, a person that just likes to see people improve and be better. Yeah, I don't know that really, you know, the it's one of those weird conversations when you get into spiritual gifts as to what they actually mean. And, you know, I, I would think the the teaching one wouldn't necessarily apply to what you're talking about there, but you definitely are gifted in the area of leadership and and the discipleship factor, which, you know, is teaching with the spirit type of thing. Um, you know, and the, 
you know, you're, you're overly humble to a fault a lot of the time. And, you know, and especially in your, your, your humor, uh, the side of things. But one thing that you didn't mention here um, is the fact that those churches that you left, when you left them, you didn't just leave them and, you know, that was the end of the program or they just moved on. The, the people that took over were ones that you had handpicked and developed yourself. And from using your own words, the best thing companies that you've worked for have done was get rid of you because they end up thriving after that because of the, but it's not because of the type of employee you were. It's because of the type of leader that you were, you brought people in and brought people up and developed them and taught them and, and developed leaders within your ministries. Um, you know, the most famous quote unquote famous one within the CSRM listeners world would be John Longworth. And, you know, how long were you actually at Germantown? I worked there for six years, and the last three was with Mr. Longworth. So you were there for six years, and now you've got somebody that is celebrating his 21st year in your role, or the role that you were in that you when you brought him in. So, I mean, it's, it's not even a matter of, you know, you were there for six years. You, you really have been there for going on almost 30 years yourself now, even though you've been gone for almost 15 of it. Um, let's talk a little bit, cause I know you and you and John are in the middle of working through a podcast that's up and coming. Hopefully by the time we release this, we'll at least have an episode out. We'll, we'll see. Um, you know, the, but one of the things that you guys talk a lot about is the fact of you have to develop leadership from within, um, give us a little bit of insight. Why? or the, the biblical idea, why is this idea of developing leaders within our ministry so, so crucial to, to the health of a, of a ministry? Well, for one thing, uh, when you look within, you, you have someone that's already bought into the vision and mission that the church is operating under. Um, sports and recreation people were always working uh, toward mission or vision in our own ministry, but all of that has to fit under the umbrella of a vision and ministry that the senior pastor gets from God for the entire church. And so looking from within, you're having someone that's already bought into the church's vision and mission that God has given the church. So it it cuts back on some of the learning curve. Uh, I think the other aspect uh, that I've discovered uh, from hiring within both in the last two churches I worked at was that you have the chance to uh, help teach, to help disciple, to help train, to help mold. And so um, it's kind of one of those things. uh, I I liken it to parenting a lot. I have three Mm -hmm. sons and I tell people that I wanted one of my greatest desires and wishes and prayers was that each of my boys would uh, become a better man than I was. And they all did it by the time they were 12. But uh, I had to start doing stuff just to stay a step ahead of them. It's the same way with training leaders. You find someone that has uh, a niche. And and oftentimes, the leaders that I found were ones that complimented me, not complimented to me like, Dave, you're such a great guy, although that I'm narcissistic enough that I enjoyed that. Although if you've listened to John Longworth talk, we know that that's not the conversations (laughs) that you ever get out of out of him from you. 
No, no. The, <laughs> my complimenting means they, they can do something that I can't or, or they excel at something that I'm not so good at. And let me just share a quick story that, about John Longworth. He, he doesn't remember this story, uh, but I do because he came into my office one day when we were working together and he said, Dave, you may be the most visionary man I've ever seen. You, you can create the big picture like crazy. He said, what if we got together maybe uh, every week or every other week or so, just had some coffee and you could share where you see us going. And I could, um, you know, I could help fill in the blanks and, and get the details going in it. And I tell this story to my students and share with them. It was the proper way for a uh, staff member to tell his or her supervisor that basically what John was saying is you stink at details, Dave, but you're very visionary. <laughs> How about if I bring in the detail orientation and you just keep being visionary? And that's why it worked out well. Now, I will say this, after I took off and John took over the, the main role, um, I saw a man that was not only detail-oriented, but also visionary. And so yeah. um, the same way of raising children, he took the good out of me and ignored the bad or didn't copy the bad. And, um, um, you know, John, John is uh, just ideal. Uh, he's he's top-notch. He just took the bad jokes was the only thing, the bad that he took out of you. Um, so that you, you bring up two, two things we want to kind of break down a little bit before we, we go to a break here is one of them that you mentioned was this idea of the complementary ministry rather than, or the, yeah, rather than a conflicting or a, you know, competing. And this is something that Greg and I talked about back, uh, I believe it was episode like maybe five, um, we all know how bad my episode numbering is, so just just assume it's one of the ones with Greg right there at the beginning um, if you're wanting to go back and find it. And we talked about this even in the, the CSRM podcast special editions that we kind of launched this out of, is this idea of we want to have with within intergenerational ministry, not that you're old even though, you know, we can see your hair, Um you know, yeah. You know, we when we talk about this difference between older generation ministers and younger generation ministers, a lot of times what we see within churches is the the feeling of either the older people feeling they need to compete with the younger to stay relevant, or the younger people feeling like they have to compete with the older people to to keep their jobs or to eventually get a job. But part of what we want to see and what, you know, this is part of the practice we practice within the CSRM framework. This is what we do in our trainings. This is how, you know, when we talk about build, finding coaches, things like that, is we want to see people that are going to say, you have a gift for, for discipleship, you have a gift for leadership, but you cannot do paperwork. I can do the paperwork and I can learn these other aspects from you let's let's join forces and, and move forward and this is something that for whatever reason seems to be kind of it, it just got muddied and lost somewhere in the past 2000 years of we can the gifting that the spirit's given you can complement the gifting that the spirit's given me because he's gifted me for one area of ministry while he's gifted you for another how do we David, how do we actually get back to that kind of a, a thought process within our, our staff dynamics for churches? 
I think one thing, Andrew, that is a must, and that is that all of us have to get a control on our ego. And, and you, you commented on how humbling I am. I, I have this saying that if you can't have a self-deprecating humor about yourself, who can you have one on? Um, <laughs> my, my mother, early in my ministry, my mother said she prayed for me to have people that would surround me that would keep me humble. And I asked her to stop praying that because that's all I was getting was people that would keep me humble. I, I think if we get control of our ego and realize that we're not all that and that, you know, we're, we're not the greatest thing since sliced bread and that we fulfill a role in something. The other aspect of it is in that same control of ego is to just uh, start being more encouraging and open with our, our praise. Um, uh, I, I teach my students and one of the ways I operated was you criticize quietly and you praise publicly. And I think if, if someone says, oh, wow, the carnival or the picnic or that uh, softball tournament was fabulous, you point out, well, that's because uh, John did thus and so, or Andrew did this. Andrew's great to have on, on staff. Um, and if you praise publicly, uh, that gets back to the people that are using their different gifts. And uh, listen, we're, we're, all, we're all wired that we want to hear, at a boy, at a girl, great job. You know, and so I think control of ego and and just the praise aspect will help in, in that realm. And also just recognizing the different giftedness um, that, that can take place and just knowing that some people are wired to stay behind the scenes. Um, I took uh, one of those job survey once or the, the uh, test that you take to figure out what you need to do with your career. Every time I ever take one, it tells me I should be in teaching or ministry or speaking. It, it, I'm an extrovert and um, um, I'm so far on those personality tests, um, the, the reports come back that we don't have a number high enough for you. Uh, but there are also people that want to just be in the cubicle punching numbers I took one once and it told me that I should be an accountant in a cubicle. And I, I wondered who was I so mad at that day that I didn't want to work with people because something skewed up my uh, test. on I, that. I would, I would, I would actually more be likely to question their uh, grading scale on that one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, control ego, praise publicly and, and just recognize that, that God puts people together for a reason. Um, both in church staffs and, and in relationships. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I've often said sometimes I think when God puts a man and a wife together, it's, it's almost like he calls the angels together and says, hey, let's watch him try to communicate. I mean, just, <laughs> but, but you don't marry someone just like you. You marry someone that's, that's somewhat different. And, the, and God does that for a reason. The, when, when uh, you know, I don't, Hopefully you're listening, Dr. Quigley, but there's no telling. Um, you know, one of the things that when, when Micah and I were in, in college and, you know, both of us were in the ministry department. And one of the first things that I remember um, about her specifically was in one of Quigley's classes where we were kind of divided up based off of the, ma the ministry major that we had. And um, we were doing kind of like you were talking about, but sharing our strengths and our weaknesses. And one of the, the things that she said was, 
I don't like to be in front of people. I just want to sit back and do the work behind the scenes and administrate within the ministry. And I was sitting there thinking, whoever this girl marries, I need to be friends with because <laughs> that is the one thing I cannot do is just sit there quietly. Everybody listening is probably saying amen to that one that I can't sit here quietly. Um, but then, you know, and then the de- the paperwork details and all that other stuff just is beyond me, which is why, you know, I can't even figure out what episode we're on and we haven't even hit 20 yet. Um and, you know, God has the sense of humor of, yeah, you're an idiot. You are right. You're going to be pretty good friends with this person that she's going to marry. Um, we're, we'll, we'll leave that one there, though. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and actually talk about how what this looks like in practical terms for those of us in leadership or those of us aspiring for leadership within the church. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is the Ministry Misfit, Andrew Fouts. I'm also the Director of Digital Resources for CSRM and the producer of Overwhelming Victory Productions. And today we want to talk a little bit about Anchor FM. Part of our job here at Overwhelming Victory Radio is to provide ministries with easy and affordable ways to create their own media content. And one of these ways is Anchor FM. Anchor is a free one-stop studio with tools to allow you to create a custom podcast experience. They do everything from creation tools, distribution tools, and even marketing tools with ads such as this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hi there. My name is Dan Stouffer, and uh, I am the Director of Church Relations and Associate Executive Director of CSRM. And one of the things I want to draw your attention to is our Small Church Initiative. And what we're talking about our churches with a uh, pre-pandemic attendance of less than 250. who are maybe looking to start a sports or rec or fitness ministry, or maybe looking to improve but don't feel like they necessarily have all the resources to make that happen. Listen, we can get creative and we just want to help with consultation and coaching and help you to understand that we are for you because no one understands a minister or a pastor or a director or a volunteer like those who are currently doing that. So we're here about relationships and resources. And if we can help you, if you're a smaller church, to do just that, we're here for you. So reach out to us. We'd be happy to follow up. Check out our website. Contact us there. And we will be in touch very soon. Welcome back to the Ministry Misfits podcast. I am here with Executive Director, if you're listening before October, or Academic Liaison, if you're listening after October 2021, um, for CSRM, David Waddell. Wow, I almost messed up your name. Um, He is our, you know, jack of all trades. He's a leadership guy, author, um, and part of what we want to kind of get into now is an interim experience extraordinaire um you know david came on he's been on how long have you been on the csrm board it's been three years uh no, the board yeah yeah on how board. long have you been on the board five five if yeah. you count my current work right so you you've been around um for a while 
um, you stepped into the um, executive director as an quote unquote interim executive director um, the past three years, but really you have not been an interim executive because typically when we hear the word interim, we think of, uh, you know, patch the holes and then float ourselves to safety to, to regroup. But that pretty much is the exact opposite of everything that we, <laughs> we have been doing in the past three years. Um, you know, but this is really, this is actually your style of doing things. And this is part of what, why we have you on here is that you, you know, we talked about you being told you have the gift of teaching, even though you don't claim that you definitely have the gift of leadership, even though you can, you constantly are trying to take that away from yourself, you know, all these different things, but this idea of developing and, you know, John Lomer said that you are a visionary that can't figure out the details. What is, you know, which is perfect for what we're about to talk about, which is how you can be in an interim position but yet see massive growth within a ministry. And a lot of this comes down to the staff dynamics and discipleship factors stuff that we, we started out talking about. Um, give us some insight. When, you, when you've taken positions, whether you were the actual staff member or whether you, know, you were the interim or whether you knew you were just going to be there for a short time, what is your actual, you know, vision thought process that you go through when heading into these new areas? That's a great question. And my advice for anyone going into a new area, uh, whether it's a church or a nonprofit organization, is um, walk slowly and, um, and don't think you have to do things in a hurry, uh, especially going into a church um, they have traditions. Um, my first church I went to, I got in trouble. There was a, a nice table out in the foyer of the auditorium. And I thought this is a perfect place to put brochures for the upcoming sports and recreation events that are going on in the church. Um, I didn't realize that the table had been given in the memory of someone and they didn't want a bunch of promotional ads on that table. Every Sunday, the table had some flowers on it. And I found out quickly that uh, some things can't be done. So as you're going in, you got to get an understanding of where you are and how they got to that point. Uh, and then from that point, you use your gifts and, and your dreams and your visions of seeing where they can be. When I got to my first church, they had never done a youth mission trip. So my goal was to do a youth mission trip. And Four years later, we did one. Someone would say, well, why not the first or second year? Because they weren't ready yet. It, it wasn't going to happen just yet. Second church, same kind of thing. They'd done choir tours, but no one had gone on an actual mission trip where they went and did day camps or Bible schools or clowning and puppetry in uh, different areas. And so, again, it was the fourth year in that we, we did that. And so I think seeing where they're at, understanding where they're at, and then seeing where you can take them is probably one of the best ways of getting that vision going. In the process of getting there, Andrew, you start developing people for that. You find your key influencers and you say things like, wouldn't it be great if someday we could take these teenagers to do a mission trip? 
you know, remember when you were growing up and you did one of those? Yeah, it's just, you know, that's kind of good. The last two churches I went into uh, had a vision of just having the most balanced program um, that I could. In other words, I didn't want it to be sports heavy or drama heavy or craft heavy. I wanted a balance. Now, it might mean there were more sport offerings because more people enjoy sports in their leisure time, but I wanted to make sure that there was an equal number of opportunities for someone that enjoyed arts and crafts or that enjoyed the theater or that enjoyed social events. I wanted to make sure there was a balanced program, but again, I went in and saw where they were and then tried to take them where they needed to be. And and so that's probably the discipling aspect is just in those conversations with people. Uh, I remember when I went to a Germantown Baptist, they had a meet and greet for me And uh, one of the gentlemen uh, was bragging on the fact that his youth baseball team had beaten another church in the same area. And I said, well, that's wonderful, but that's not going to be one of our ultimate goals under my leadership. And he was shocked because like everyone in that church wanted to beat that particular church. And um, so we just, some things we set out early Uh, And I'm sure I disappointed that man then and probably disappointed him several times later uh, because we were establishing what church sports were going to be about uh, in in that particular church. So it's knowing where you're going and then figuring out how to get people to come along with you. And that's where, you know, within our our CSRM lingo, we, we start talking fourfold rubric stuff of, you know, strategy and relevancy but I think where you really hit more even than strategy is in the efficiency area that leads into the effectiveness because you're talking about you've already got the strategy, the relevancy, you're waiting to see what that relevancy is, but you're already looking at who is this core group of people that are going to get things done and get them done well and get them done in a way that fits the culture of the church because they've already been a part of the church. How do you, what, what has your process always been as far as, you know, selecting out, you know, next generation or same generation, but next level leadership? How do you, you know, what, what is it that you do when looking for, you know, who it is that you're going to hand things off to in the future? A lot of that, um, and again, you'll accuse me of being humble, but I think a lot of it has been luck. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a dice roll. I mean, it's a flip of the coin sometimes. Um, I tell my students there's two sets of liars at every interview because they're not telling me everything about their company, and I'm not telling them everything about myself. And I have yet to go to a job that within the first couple of weeks they didn't say, what? You didn't know you had to do that also? And so some of it's that- It's under the other other uh, other duties as assigned. Yes, yeah. yes. All, yes. All of that fun stuff. But I think a lot of it, um, Andrew, is trial and error. Uh, I have hired people in staff positions that I had to uh, move to other areas or to release uh, anywhere from a, a 90-day period to uh, up to two years because we could see that they, they just weren't going to fit with the vision and, and where we were going. And so it, it's a lot of trial and error. And uh, one particular person that I had to dismiss, um, 
we, we kept dealing with him for same behaviors. And, and finally, I just had to let him go. And, and um, when I terminated him, he thanked me. And I, I couldn't figure that one out. I said, why are you thanking me? He said, because I wanted to quit and I didn't know how. And um, I said, well, let me teach you. I said, you be me and I'll be you. And he goes, okay. And I said, hey, Dave. And he goes, uh-huh. I said, you're fired or I quit. And uh, <laughs> it's that easy. Well, the young man went on to have about a 12-year career at Chick-fil-A and introduced me to the chicken biscuit with extra butter. And that Chick-fil-A is the ultimate example of efficiently effective. Yes. Let me tell you. That's like, uh, did you see, I don't remember which state it was, that they actually brought in the local Chick-fil-A managers to run their vaccine <laughs> stations because I, they were getting so overrun. Chick-fil-A was the only way to, to actually to fix the problem. That's funny. I, yeah. saw, I saw memes that would say, uh, you know, vaccine problem solved if we run it like a chick-fil-a drive-thru or just uh, or just stick it in the sandwich i mean yeah yeah, just we, put yeah. It in. we're good uh, but anyway yeah, well, yeah he had a very successful career but my my trial of of putting him in ministry leadership didn't work in the church but he had an incredible ministry uh through chick-fil-a and um um so it, sometimes it's just you know hunt and peck trial and error hope for the best well, and I think there, though, you, you, you know, it, even though you're talking trial and error, there is something, though, that, you know, seems to be a common theme among all of this. And that is, you know, the whole idea of understanding your role and understanding other people's roles of, you know, this guy, obviously, you saw something of this guy is going to be a good, you know, he's got leadership qualities, things like that. It just was not in the sports ministry realm. It was in the, the amazing chicken sandwich realm. And, you know, and one of the things I know you've talked about a lot with, even with John Longworth, is this whole idea of the, not only did he have the leadership qualities, but there was a willingness in him to not only volunteer, but to, to learn while volunteering and eventually go into staff and then eventually take a direct, the, the willingness factor and the fact that you're able to see there is something there. I don't know what it looks like and it's okay if it's not in this area, but I want to take you on as a disciple. You know, we, we talk about the, the Timothy, the Paul, Timothy, Titus, all those relationships, Barnabas, not Titus. Why did I say Titus? The Barnabas, Timothy, you know, the Paul, Timothy, the Paul, Barnabas, all these kind of relationships, you know, there, there's something about good leaders that are able to see good leaders in other people. And that's one thing that I know you, you have thrived upon, you know, John is a perfect example. Um, when we had John celebration, we heard from Carla where it's another perfect example of that. Uh, even what we're doing right now with Dan Stoffer within CSRM is another example of seeing what this person is capable of and saying, we can get you to that point. Let me help you get to that point. And that's something, like you said, there's a humility aspect to it. There's a willingness on their part aspect to it. And it's a matter of knowing your role. That guy knew his role was not in sports ministry. He was just afraid to say it, but you know, it's okay to say, this is not my role. That's why, I mean, that's why we titled this ministry misfits is some of us are not fit for certain areas of ministry 
some of us are fit for certain areas of ministry, even when other people are saying it's not, we've got to know our role, know where our giftings are at. One other thing real quick, Dave, we got about five minutes here. How do you, because, you know, again, we talked about the fact you're in an interim within CSRM, but yet we're not in an interim stage. How do you go about being in that position where you know you are not and you're there as a leader for a time, but it's not long and there's somebody already selected that's coming up. How do you be that visionary without actually, you know, stomping on the toes of the person that's coming up? How do you, how do you lead forward while, you know, most people are expecting you just to keep everything, just staying afloat. It, it takes a lot of communication and sometimes takes a lot of diversion and deflection. Uh, so especially at the beginning of the year, because we set up this interim time to be a one-year process where Dan would work with me. And, and of course, I did the old adage. I, I showed him how it was done. We did it together. And then I'll watch him do it. It's that kind of uh, step process. But, we, referred, we referred to it on here as the, Greg referred to it as the four M's. Um, of, uh, wow, it's um, mentorship, model, motivation, mo model, mentor, motivate, and then there's another one that I can never remember, which is actually the step that I think supposedly we're on, and yet Greg and I can never remember what it's titled until one of us says it. But yeah, those, I, I again, those of you that are interested, go back and listen to, I believe this was episode, this may have even been episode number two, because I think we were actually talking about it in relation to Bradley Barnes, but I know this about Dr. Greg Linville that heaven will be full of acronyms and acrostics for him because um, I, I don't. <laughs> he, think and he, he may, yeah, he's he created can. his own language, and only he's able to fully uh, write the dictionary for it. Yeah, I mean, CSRM is uh, created on philosophical principles, uh, methodological uh, models, and theological truths alliteration down the road. Uh, we have the four C's, we have the five R's, the, um, I, I don't know, it's just uh, all, yeah. all that takes place. And running on uh, Greg Linville, I've just completely lost my track of thought of where we were. Uh, we were talking about the four M's of uh, how to, how to oh, okay. go about, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, basically what has happened in the last few months is when something has come up that needs a direction that will carry out for a few years, uh, I've pulled uh, Dan into the conversation. I don't, uh, I'm really not in a position right now where I wanna make a decision that affects the future without pulling uh, the, the next guy into the loop. And so uh, I, I've jokingly called it the peaceful transfer of power just because <laughs> uh, in our current day and age, that's been a, a wonderful phrase that's been used, but, um, I, I want Dan to have more to say. Now, he, he may ask for my wisdom. If he doesn't, I, I'm behind him and I run with it. And one of the reasons I'm staying on as the academic liaison is just to be kind of that support for Dan because, um, you know, you, you accuse me of being humble, but every place I've ever left has gotten better. And I really do think the great days of CSRM are ahead of us under Dan Stouffer's leadership. And that's what, you know, we will, we'll end with this is the, you know, as self-deprecating humble you are, 
the the legacy of ministry that you've left behind shows the humility aspect you have even without you having to do it yourself because it, it really is a matter of everywhere you have gone you have left it better than you found it and left it in hands that you've personally trained up to continue moving it forward and even even what you're talking about there with what we're doing with our you know peaceful transition um you know in the midst of COVID-19, you in an interim spot, I mean, we, we have developed so many new programs that we've got coming out of CSRM in the midst of when most ministries were shutting down, and especially in when you as an interim, most people be looking, you have just, let's keep us afloat and keep talking about what's coming in the future instead of talking about what's coming in the future, we sat down and said, okay, we're just going to create this stuff now and provide it. You know, the Tuesday talks came out of that OV radio, this podcast all were birthed out of the fact that you as the interim were saying, we're not going to sit around and wait. We're going to do it now. And, you know, you don't have to be so self-deprecating because your humility is shown in the fact that these things are happening. So um, we will be back with the all too humble David Waddell next next week. Um, we're going to talk about his alter ego, um, the author David Waddell, next week. Um, in the meantime, uh, feel free to share this. That's a way to support us is sharing this. Um, you know, liking, commenting, rating us. Even the bad ratings are helpful. Just don't be a troll, please. Um, and don't rate us based off of the, the jokes of Waddell either. Um, if you want to find out more about CSRM, obviously go to CSRM.org. You guys know where to find us. Um, if you want to support the ministry that we're doing here within this podcast, you can do that in two ways. One is through anchor.fm um backslash ministry misfits if you go there you can click on the support tab if you'd rather do it and get a tax credit you can go to csrm.org backslash donate um at the by the time this releases we may have fixed this issue but there's another button then you have to click on to actually donate um but that will give you the information and then you select andrew faust in the drop down menu and that money will not only go to support Mr. Misfits, but also CSRM as a whole with the work we're doing internationally and here in the U.S. So, David, thank you for coming on for this one. Next, we'll, you'll be back here in a little bit. We're going to talk about your books and that process. So everybody come back next week and hear more from David Waddell. Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Overwhelming Victory Flicks, Overwhelming Victory Radio, and Ministry Misfits Media. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. Our music is provided by Morning Light Music and is titled Rain. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at ministrymisfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can support Ministry Misfits at anchor.fm forward slash Ministry Misfits or for FO1C3 credit by going to csrm.org forward slash donate and selecting Andrew Fouts in the campaign menu. To learn more about Overwhelming Victory or to listen to our sister podcast, visit 
overwhelmingvictory.org.